Jan and Willem were in the crow's nest. The pirates were gaining on them, and it would be a matter of minutes before they were caught and taken to Captain Halfbeard. But they didn't see hope arriving. They didn't see it gliding in. Until they looked down, and there was a big shadow cast all over Ship City, and the pirates on the ground were no longer looking at them up in the crow's nest, but they were looking behind them. Willem looked up, and he saw it first. Look, he said to Jan, look! I'm not sure what it is, but look! They looked up to see a fleet of enormous airships floating across the sky. Help! they shouted, help! And they waved their arms frantically. At this moment, Oren and Arthur and Sniz were in Atticus's room with him. They heard the screaming and they ran out to his balcony and looked down. There below them they recognised Jan and Willem in the crow's nest screaming for the help with pirates gaining on them. Quick, said Oren, we'd find a way to get them up here. Is Grace around? I'll blow my whistle, said Atticus, but it takes her a while to come when she's heard me call. There's no time for that, said Arthur. We need something quicker. Atticus blew his whistle several times, but then he ran and grabbed a big piece of rope from the back of his room. Help me, he said. Sneers ran forward and helped him, for the rope was big, long and heavy. He tied it to his balcony, and then they threw the rest of the rope off of the edge. Grab on, shouted Oren. Hold tight, said Arthur. Jan and Willem looked up, and it seemed a long, long way to climb. They didn't know if they'd manage. But when they looked down, the pirates were so close they had to do something. First Jan jumped up and grabbed onto the rope. He began to climb and climb and climb, just like Pip had taught them on the trees. Next it was Willem. He scrambled up there, and just, just as he was holding onto the rope, the pirate grabbed him by the foot. He shook his foot, he shook it, and he shook it wildly. And luckily, luckily the laces came loose and the shoe fell. The airship moved on. And there they were, dangling in the sky above Ship City. They didn't look down, they looked up. And when they looked up, they saw Oren and Arthur and Sniss's faces. They kept looking at them. Don't look down. Don't look down, they said to themselves. You can do it, said Arthur. Come on, said Oren. Come on, you can do this, you can do this. And they cheered them on. Atticus didn't know them, but he knew they were the friends of his new friends. Come on, he said. It's nice up here. Eventually, tired, so, so tired, they made it to the top. But just as Jan was climbing in over the balcony, he slipped a moment and was scared and he held on. And as he held on, all of those shells fell through the air. They sailed down and for a moment he was so shocked he couldn't even shout. Luckily. They were not above Ship City, but over the ocean by now. And he watched as each one of them splashed into the dark blue. Oh no, he said, oh no, after all that, oh no. Keep going, said Willem. Climb in, climb in, my arms are getting tired. So Jan kept climbing in, and he got in, and soon was followed by Willem. Oren and Arthur and Sniz hugged them tightly and they introduced them to Atticus. What's been going on, they said. 
Those shells, said Jan, they were, they were the mermaid shells. It's what helps them have fishy tails and breathe underwater. I've dropped them all, I've dropped them all, he said. They all looked over the balcony to where they had dropped in the water. And then they saw some shapes, some shimmers, and they noticed. It was the mer people. They were there in the water collecting the shells, and they looked up and they smiled. It's okay, said Willem, it's okay, look. The mer people have collected them. They will bring them back to their people. They were all so relieved. And just as they were floating away from Ship City, knowing they'd never have to return there again, they saw the galley girl's ship in the distance. How do we go there, said Jan. Look, the ship, the galley girl's ship. I'm sure that Erin and Bronwyn have managed to get their ship back or it wouldn't be sailing away like that. They looked and there were still some small ships chasing it. Ah, said Atticus, it's not that easy to turn one of these things around. First of all, we have to go and get the captain. And while he's all the way up on the other side of the ship. And then it takes time and management and lots of people to turn this thing around. At the moment, we are just cruising on the thermals. Just then, there was a beating of wings and a white shape in the distance. It's Grace, said Atticus. This is perfect. She can help you get to that ship. It's way easier turning a sky dragon around than a big airship like this. Grace came up to the balcony and Jan and Willem were amazed. This beautiful white dragon covered in feathers. Come on, said Atticus, and he jumped on the back. Who's coming with me? Jan and Willem looked surprised. I'll come, said Arthur. Come on, just the two of us. And Arthur and Atticus jumped on Grace's back and flew towards the galley girl's boat. Erin and Bronwyn, Kai and Rowan didn't see them approaching. They first knew to look when they heard the parrot say, Dragon! 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 Everybody hide! Everybody hide! Everybody hide! Everybody hide! They looked up and they did see a dragon and for a moment they were alarmed and they went to hide behind the barrels on the main deck. But then Rowan noticed who was riding on the back. It's Arthur, he said, it's Arthur! And they came out. With a silent command from Atticus, Grace landed on the deck of the boat and Arthur jumped off. Are you all here? said Arthur. We have Jan and Willem. We saved them from the crow's nest. Where's Sophia? Well, I don't know to be sure, said Erin, but I'm guessing she's gone back to the little island on the other side of the city. We're heading there ourselves, you know. Her and Mr Nobody, they helped the prisoners escape, and I'm assuming they swam back out. I saw the mer people escape, she said, so their mission was successful, that much I knew. Well, said Arthur, Atticus and Grace will go back and get Jan, Willem, Oren and Sniz. And then we'll go over there and have a look. So that's what they did. Atticus and Grace flew back to the airship and one by one they brought Jan and Willem, Oren and then Sniz over to the galley girl's ship. Now Sniz was not at all sure about having a ride on Grace. Oh, I don't know, he said. I'm really quite big and she's really not that big and it's very, very high up. And I think that maybe we should just land this thing so I can get out nicely. I'm sorry, Sniz, said Atticus. If you want to join your friends over there, then this is the only way. I mean, by all means, stay with me. I like having you on board, but they might miss you, you know. 
He looked as the airship was slowly drifting away from his friends. And then he closed his eyes and he climbed onto Grace. Sneeze, said Atticus. If you do with your eyes closed, you're far more likely to fall off. Now open them and focus. So he opened them and he focused, but he made absolutely sure not to look down. And how he did this? Well, he put his hand below his eyes like blinkers so that he couldn't actually look down. Now, of course, this gave him only one hand and it still wasn't practical, but it stopped him getting that eebie-jeebie feeling. And so with a few trips back and forth, Jan, Willem, Oren, Arthur and Sniz were there on the galley girl's boat with Kai, Erin, Bronwyn and Rowan and Rowan's new parrot, who they all assumed was called Muska, for he didn't stop saying, Who's a pretty Muska? Who's a pretty Muska? Who's a pretty Muska? Me. Me? Oh, I'm a pretty Muska. Oh, I'm a pretty Muska. They didn't have time to fully catch up and share all their stories. Arthur knew he needed to go and make sure that Sophia was safe. Okay, which direction did you say it was in, said Arthur? We'll go and check, and we'll meet you there. Arthur jumped back on Grace, then Atticus and Arthur and Grace flew across the sky. On the other side of Ship City, they did find the little island, and they swooped down. Nancy and Ember, just like the others, were terrified also, but then they saw Arthur and they relaxed. Grace couldn't land on the little island, for she would have upset the balance too much and so she glided into the sea and floated there. Arthur didn't get off, he just spoke from the back of Grace. Nancy, he said, is Sophia and, um, Mr Nobody, I think they said, are they here with you? No, said Nancy, they haven't returned yet. No, it's just us, said Ember. Oh my goodness, said Arthur. Okay. Atticus, Grace, he said, we need to fly over the city and see if we can see them. First of all, they flew around the city, and then they flew over the top. And as they flew over the top, their hearts sank. There, with their hands bound behind their back, they saw Captain Halfbeard's pirates leading Miss Nobody and Sophia into Captain Halfbeard's quarters. Oh no, said Arthur, oh no, they've been caught. We'll have to think of a plan. I don't mean to be a thorn in your plans, said Atticus, but I can't be here much longer or they'll be gone without me. It's okay, said Arthur. Drop me back to the others. We'll find a way. And so Atticus dropped Arthur back at the galley girl's ship. He said his goodbyes and he invited everybody to come and join him on the airship again next season. There's two times we come close to the land in Aralan, he said. At the end of winter and the end of summer. Indigo Mountain is the easiest place to get us, but you guys already know that. It's been so nice to meet you, he said. Goodbye. And then he climbed on Grace and he flew gracefully through the sky. The children waved until their arms ached and Atticus and Grace had turned into tiny dots in the sky. Now in Ship City, Miss Anobody and Sophia had been caught and they were being led up to Captain Halfbeard's quarters. They were shoved up some stairs and then flung into the room in front of him. When they came into the room, he was facing away from them. The two guards stood between Sophia and Mr Nobody and the exit. There was no way they could escape. 
I am very disappointed, said Captain Halfbeard, still facing away. You have not only crossed me once, but you have both crossed me twice. Nobody ever crosses Captain Halfbeard twice, he said. You have stolen from me, you have released my prisoners, and you have had the nerve after being told to walk the plank to set foot in this city again. And do you know what I'm going to do to you, he said. Sophia and Miss Nobody did not want to hear the next words that came out of his mouth. He swung around and he stared at them. I am going to keep you here forever, he said. You are one of us now, but you are not a proper one of us. You are a lowly one of us. For the rest of eternity you will be here and you will do all the nasty jobs. You will make the chum. You will clean the latrines. You will wish that you never set foot in Ship City, he said. But Captain Halfbid, said Sophia, and he stared at her. How dare you open your mouth and speak, he said. But, but you said, the Ship City, I heard you, that it is a place of second chances, that people here deserve a second chance. Those people, he said are not like you. You think you're better than us. You are not the same as us. It is not the same. I don't have my parrot here to interrupt, and therefore I can and will be scary. I don't think you are scary, said Sophia, knowing she was very much pushing her luck. I don't. I think you're sad. I think that something happened to you, and you're sad about it. And I think deep down you wish it had never happened. I think that you wish you could live on the mainland, but you can't, and that hurts inside. So I don't think you're scary. I think you try and be scary, because that's your way of survival. But I think deep down, you're sad and rejected. He stepped forward and grabbed Sophia by the shoulders, and he looked at her with anger in his eyes. But the anger, the anger gave way to sadness, and she saw the faint flickers of sorrow in his eyes. Take them away, he said. So they were taken into a cabin. It was completely bare, and they were there on their own, with two big burly pirates guarding the door. They fell asleep that night, as they were very, very tired. But in the morning... They woke up to the sound of Captain Harfid raging in the next room. How is this possible? Is it not somebody's job to make sure that they never, ever land here? He said. The guards that were guarding Sophia and Mr Nobody were curious, and they had to take Sophia and Mr Nobody with them. Captain, they said, what is the problem? The albatrosses, said Captain Halfbid. They have landed in Ship City. Look at them, they are perched on every mast here. The albatross is a sign of a curse. A curse! Come on, Halfbeard, said one of the guards. That's just superstition, it's not real. Captain Halfbeard became serious and even more angry. It is a curse, I'm telling you it is a curse. Every sailor 
from every sea knows that when the albatross lands on your ship, there is a curse.